rather busy. Now he's going to move like right along to McGregor. That's his whole life. You know. So I think that Patient X and the Red and the Black are a sort of new style of mythology episodes that give us a few more answers, but probably still raise a lot more questions than they actually answer. But a lot of this feels very different from what's come before, and it feels very different in a very sort of cinematic way, which I think makes sense because this is the mythology two-parter that is leading up to the X-Files Fight the Future, which is coming out very soon. For us, it's like a month away. Uh, I think for people watching this episode, it was about four months away. It's obviously setting some stuff up for this movie, but... I'm not sure exactly how well it works as a two-parter. Yeah, I I, I mean, in, in obviously they're not going to give us really any answers right now because they want our 1350 at the box office, and that makes sense. That's fine. This is leading up in, in some ways. You still think this movies is are a, a lot recap. more expensive than they are? I don't know how much movies are. Um, in a lot of ways, this is kind of a recap of. Here are the elements that this summer coming to a theater near you, you're going to see in, 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 in a big way. So, for example, we have the black oil. We, we remember that there's these hybrid assassins running around. We get more glimpses of the ships and we begin to learn about this alien civil war and a bit more about the colonization thing. We don't really get answers on any of those, but I... I remembering what I do about the movie. For example, I know the black oil plays a big part. So, of course, we want to remember this is in play, this is fucked up, and we're going to deal with that. Yeah, the black oil plays a, a huge part in the movie. And I, I think what's striking about this two-parter is it's not super, it's not super personal to our characters, right? Like, I, I think that we as, as, critics running this podcast respond very well to two-parters like Redux and Redux 2, which are all about how the the conspiracy affects our characters. And this two-parter really doesn't have much to do with that. I mean, certainly there's a little bit with Scully. There's a little bit with her discovering that she still has more implants in her body and how they never found those, even though she was undergoing like some of the most extreme cancer treatment ever. I'm not really sure. Um, and also the fact that that's Mulder and, and Scully have basically reversed their, their positions. And I think that, that this is really not, this isn't the beginning of Scully, uh, becoming more of a believer in, in alien abduction phenomenon than, than Mulder is, but, but certainly it's well on that road. Uh, and I do want to talk about Mulder and I, because I think that what he's doing in these two episodes is, is, is particularly interesting, especially in light of, of our discussion last week about bad blood, but I guess the way that I want to get into talking about Patient X and the Red and the Black is is more to do with kind of just like a check-in of where we are in the meta plot of the conspiracy of yeah. the X-Files. Because, okay. and we haven't done this in a while, mostly because I think the conspiracy episodes for the past, I think a season, season and a half, have been more like tone poems than anything else. They've, they've basically been spinning their wheels. And I think that this two-parter is the oh, we have to buckle down and actually set up the events of the movie, so let's do that. And suddenly we get this huge info dump uh, of about you know 45 things that we may not have known before. And I think key to that is this idea of, of colonization, which I don't think is something that has been on the show before. 
Um, also this idea of alien colonists, which go along with colonization, the idea of this alien civil war, which is happening and, and the idea of this vaccine, right? So the, it, it seems like we're learning some things about the conspiracy and also the idea that the, that the alien colonization date is, I think about, they said about 15 years away. So now I will say none of these feel like completely new elements to me, but I think it was more clarified. In in other words, I don't know if they've necessarily said colonists, but that's been heavily implied. This vaccine, we may not have had confirmation this is a vaccine against black oil, but it connects the dots very well. Yes, that makes sense that this is what this was. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it, that this this isn't really providing us with new information, but it's making it very, it's it's clarifying information. It's, it's, it's very, very, I think what's striking about especially the red and the black is exactly how much that episode in particular really lays out in very, very stark and clear terms what exactly is going on. Because A, yeah. I think you're right that they were trying to to convince people to go see the movie and you need people you can't really I mean, you know, this is well before the days of like Marvel's extensive interconnected cinematic universe where you have to see seventeen other movies before you can actually sit down to watch Ant Man three or whatever. Um, which I frankly find exhausting. A lot of people like it, making no judgments. But in in terms of the X Files, the X Files has always tracked <laughs> in being very obtuse, almost to the point of self parody, and this two parter really just throws that out the window and says, "All right, here we are. Here's what's happening. Here is the deck setting. Here is exactly what is happening." And you're right; like it's not. We still don't know a lot about what's going on, and I think we can have a really good discussion much later on in the show's run about how the X Files views aliens in particular because i think it's a very uh non-sci-fi person way of looking at aliens but in terms of like the events of this two-parter it's fine i think that we have some interesting information but i also think that it puts the the syndicate into a new light which i'm wondering if you have any thoughts on because they do seem to be doing something they they use the term collaborators in this uh in this episode yeah there's there's a lot here which is recontextualizing them in a way and i don't know that you're really supposed to think they're good guys but something's going on with them well there is uh, i just as this alien civil war story uh the story of there being kind of factions within the syndicate. This is all stuff that had been implied, and it frankly squares a couple of circles. In other words, we haven't... A, a lot of the motivations we've seen from what appear to be the aliens on the show, it hasn't always kind of jibed with each other, and the explanation, well, there's di- there's different factions of aliens, and they have different goals makes that make a lot of sense. We've seen the resist the we've seen the syndicate having certain fractures in itself. Nobody quite trusts each other and now we see this laid bare. Some of the, the they they have two different views of what to do about these two factions of aliens. Part of them seem to think, well, let's go with the stronger side if we help out the main aliens, then when they ultimately win their war, they'll at least 
have us under our protectorate because otherwise they'll just kill us. The other is saying, no, we align with the resistance now. We'll be able to fight off the bigger aliens and then we will have the end to which many of the other people are saying, well, they're just going to. I mean, frankly, knowing the way that world events go around, for example, 9-11, where we arm revolutionaries and then find ourselves on the receiving end several years later, the obviously the syndicate has a lot of confusion about the best way to approach this situation in which humanity is kind of a tiny thing. Yeah, no, I think that's all right. And and I think what what is interesting about the mythology episodes in general is that, you know, they, they do get criticized for being very obtuse. They do get criticized for, for not making a ton of sense on a on a sort of like, you know, inter episode level on an intra episode level. Certainly, I think they make sense. But on an inter episode level, I, I don't think they make a ton of sense. But that I don't know if that was intentional necessarily, but I think it does work with the symbolism that that the X-Files is working with about how there are so many parts to this conspiracy and there are so many actors in this conspiracy and there are so many organizations that are dealing with various elements of this conspiracy that the the obtuseness of the story that the X-Files is telling in terms of this alien colonization invasion story Almost, almost seems intentional. <laughs> well, it's it goes along with the possibility that this conspiracy is just a smokescreen. I mean, lately, when I think about the conspiracy, I think oddly enough of Murder on the Orient Express. Have you seen that movie? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know the part when he's looking in uh, the mur- the murdered man's hotel room, and he says, "There's too many clues in this room," and realizes that they've been planted there. In other words, a surfeit of clues would would confuse most people. And I feel like that's part of what we're getting in the Exiles. We are getting a surfeit of clues sometimes, and that's a lot harder to sift through than a few very cogent clues. Yeah, yeah, no, I think, yeah. And, yeah, and that feels, again, it feels like the point, it makes it very plausible that, you know, all of this has been made up by, in order to confuse people, to lead certain people like Mulder off the track, in order to cover up other things. And of course it's not going to make sense, And then, but it makes sense enough that people are going to go crazy trying to figure it out, and that will sap up all their brain power that could have been used towards figuring out something real. Like, it makes complete sense that that's how, a misin- that's how disinformation works. Right, right. And I, and I think that, and I, I, I've been waiting for a chance to, to sort of spin this out because, you know, we haven't really had a good opportunity yet, but I, I think there's enough information about what exactly the, the syndicate is doing and, and also the, the information about Mulder sort of doubting his, his memories of his sister being abducted and, and really doubting the existence of alien abductions as a real thing that, and I'll just very be very blunt about spinning this out, that I think what is happening here is that we have this idea of, of alien colonization that is happening in about 15 years. So, um, you know, we're looking at a 2012 time frame. They, they, they very much link this up oh. to, right? Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, that is very deliberate. And no. <laughs> and, and so if you look at it and say, okay, well, the syndicate are collaborators. They are working with some sort of alien government to prepare Earth to be colonized, right? At the same time, 
and it seems to involve the black oil somehow. We, we don't know how. I don't know if they, the, the black oil is the colonists. I mean, who knows? But the black oil seems involved somehow. That's why they want a vaccine to it, because that's going to somehow stop the aliens from colonizing. I, I don't understand that, but who the hell knows? Yeah. Uh, that, that, that I'm assuming it's a... Um, yeah. But... I assume it's almost like an invasion of the body snatchers kind of a thing in that way myself, but... Yeah, or like it's a chemical thing, they're altering the Earth's atmosphere, yeah. who knows, right? They're, they're using human bodies as some sort of vehicle. So, what I think is the really interesting part of that, and the part that the episode is very, very sly to not exactly call out explicitly, in, an, in a two-parter that is very explicitly calling out a lot of stuff and making it very blunt, that... And it's also linking up, of course, with this idea that Mulder has really doubted the the, the uh, uh, truth of alien abduction, while Scully is not, that people are being abducted. And they are being abducted by alien technology, if not by aliens themselves. It's just that—and this is a theory of mine. This is not presented in the actual show, I don't think, or at least not until later. But the idea that yeah. I have is that— the conspiracy, the syndicate, is abducting these people to prepare them somehow for something to do with the colonization, knowing that when the aliens actually do colonize, because, of course, it is going to happen in 15 years and five, six million, five, six billion people on Earth are suddenly going to go, what the fuck? Aliens are landing? What is going on? And suddenly the penny's going to drop and everything the syndicate has been doing to prepare Earth for colonization is going to be a wonderful cover story because they get to point the finger at the aliens. They don't get to point the finger at the syndicate doing the actual abductions. Does that make sense? Yes and no. In other words, uh, it's my boss who was doing this, not me. We had nothing to do with this. Well, I think the the idea is that the syndicate is going to hide their involvement in this totally. Yeah, and although, on the other hand, you assume that they're going... I also feel like the syndicate wants themselves to be, well, we'll be left alone. We'll, sure. We'll, we'll get some kind of reward about this. We'll get the nice, cushy administrative jobs sure. while, every, while everybody else is cattle. Yes, yeah, I, I, I think that's very implicit in that, for sure. Although, yeah, although, of course, they will be hiding their... Uh, yeah, they could do that secretary. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying with that. But I think the thing is, like, that's that's the theory I have. Does it really matter? Meh, I don't know. Yeah. But I think it's interesting, I but I think it really does nicely track with, with Mulder's evolution, where I think Mulder doesn't... It's interesting, because I think Mulder is doubting the reality of alien abductions for the wrong reasons. He is doubting that these things are actually happening, but... They are actually happening. They're just happening for the reasons that he is not privy to. Like, they're not actually being abducted by aliens. A- aliens are not flying to Earth, abducting people, doing medical experiments on them for vague reasons that we don't understand. Yeah. They're doing this as a cover for the colonization of Earth. And he got the truth from Krychek in the second episode and just sort of laughed it away. Mulder, I think, is being played. Who he, who he is being played by, I don't know. But he's obviously being played by someone. Yeah, and I th- what I think is funny is that, I mean, I love the line where Skinner is saying, listen, given these two scenarios, everybody is making this conspiracy to make it look like there are alien abductions, or there actually are alien abductions. The second is actually the more plausible scenario. Yeah, I love and that line. It, but, 
you have to think about what it took in order to convince Mulder that there was no conspiracy. Number one, a seed that just coincidentally happened to be sown in paper hearts. He had nothing to do with the conspiracy, but he happened to play very nicely into what their goals were. Um, they just really have to spend the events of a two-parter planning a bunch of fake evidence. He sees, oh, this was fake evidence that was designed to confuse me, and goes from that and extrapolates, well, it all was. But it makes a lot more sense that the 90% of what's happened was real, rather than the 10% that was proven to be false. Right, right, because I think that the, the part, you know, Mulder's getting 90% of the way there, but it's that 10% that he's missing, because I don't think that he actually is still... I don't think that he believes that the his sister was not actually abducted. I believe that he believes that those events happened as he remembers them. I, I get the impression in these two episodes that he has really come around to the idea that it was staged. And, and, the, and the question is, well, why? Like, why would they do that? There must be some reason. Like, you know, a, a, a vast governmental conspiracy is not going to conduct abductions of people in this elaborate way to make possible witnesses think they're being abducted by space aliens, you know, and, but he does just, you know, but that, that kind of feeds into how he was portrayed in bad blood and how Mulder has sort of been this, I don't know. There's a, there's a, there's a real element to Mulder's character and especially in, in this two parter that I really don't like, which is that, you know, he's the true believer uh, he is flying in the face of all the evidence and doubt. Scully doubted him for years. He persisted. And now suddenly he has seen the light. The scales have fallen off his eyes. Everyone is a fool for believing this. There is a real contemptuousness to Mulder in these two episodes that is extraordinarily ugly. I I think that Mulder is not the type of person to be very self-aware. And I think that that contemptuousness is coming from a place of 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 self-loathing for falling for this. I don't think it has anything to do with Cassandra or Scully. I mean, obviously he doesn't hate Scully, but it still does come across very poorly on his part. Well, there is also a degree of stages of grief going on with him too. I mean, he is somebody who has lost his faith, lost the bedrock that which his life was lost what defined him in a way, and he's spent some time in denial. Well, right now he's in anger, isn't he? He's getting to a... He is... has lost something very important to it to him. He's blaming everybody else for that, because they kind of saw... And they were the... The worst is that they were the ones who this entire time were saying, no, no, you're crazy, Mulder. You're not... That's not it. It's something. It has to be evidence. And now suddenly they're believing? Of course he's furious at that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's right, but at the same time, he does not come across well. I mean, I I don't like the way he no. treats Scully. I mean, he he I don't really don't like the way he treats Cassandra. I mean, he he seems to think that she's a fool and that he has no time for her. I mean, there are some real yeah. I, I don't know, it's he almost lo- just, he loses his compassion in this episode. Yeah, he does. He's never time. been the most empathetic and sweet person scully is the person who is usually more able to be nice and kind to people frankly but in this he doesn't even seem to be making the effort he doesn't even seem to be trying with cassandra he isn't even humoring her no he's not at all and i think that 
it, it's complicated, right? Because the, 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 the two-parter starts out with him at that conference, and he is making headlines for basically saying that anyone that believes in alien abductions yeah. is a fool. And that, of course, is the framing device for this entire two-parter. But at the same time, like there is a real core of of contentiousness. I, I, I don't think there's any, any other word yeah. for it. And I just wish that Scully, for instance, would call him out on it instead of being cowed by it because it, it strikes me as out of character for Mulder. Although we can all do out of character things. People have bad days, whatever. Yeah. Um, but Scully, I, I don't see Scully being cowed by Mulder in this way. And it, it, it it's, yeah, it's it's getting to be like shades of abusive that I don't really like. I know, and if that is setting us up for okay, well that note is going to be hit in the movie, then okay. But it does seem like she again after why don't I have a desk? The fact that she's just kind of yeah okay, Mulder, whatever. Sure, you're right on this. Come on, Mulder, uh, is a bit of a problem. It, it is a bit of a problem, and I don't know what it indicates for, for Scully. I mean, I think that—I guess I'll just ask the question. I mean, do, do you think that Scully has been well-served the past couple seasons? I, I think yes sometimes, but sometimes no. Yeah, she certainly had—the show is much more on Mulder's side. We don't have, necessarily have a—I mean, I know I've read a little bits about the production and— Stuff about, for example, she had a lower salary, even even simple things like that. The show does treat her as a secondary character to Mulder when, in terms of importance to the plot, they both are equals. They both are, and there are times when they do have an even role in the show. It's just there are many times in which many circumstances from production to cultural to all of that get in the way. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I, I do think that there's a lot to be said, and I don't know if this is the time to say it where, you know, we talked about this a little bit last week with Bad Blood again, but this show is a product of its time. Things are always product of their time. And the the way Scully is being treated is, I think, probably not intentional, not a conscious decision on the part of anybody in the writing yeah. staff, but it is still there. And I do think it's important to call it out especially in episodes like these two where it's just so odious the way Boulder is acting, frankly. And, I mean, also, frankly, I think it's important to call out because I, I saw an astonishing uh, news story a couple of days ago uh, where uh, Claire Foy, I think her name is, the, the actress who plays, like, the, the actual queen, Queen Elizabeth II, in the TV show The Crown, was, getting okay. pay- was actually getting paid less then the guy who played her husband and she's playing the oh, fucking God. queen of the United Kingdom. And yeah. you know, this, this is, and on a show that famously had a gigantic budget. So we assume that budget reasons were not a factor in this. Exactly. Right. It's just like, that's how, that's how deeply ingrained yeah. this kind of thing is and how difficult it is to, to, to sort of get rid of it. I mean, I'm sure no one even questioned it at the time. Uh, but this is what the X this is the this this is the context that the X Files was being made in. Yeah, I mean, I really do like what they're doing as far as giving them a bit of a role reversal here. I think that is a very interesting place, and particularly in light of the fact that what's the big joke about uh, 
the X Files. Uh, Mulder says, "Oh, look, there's a there's a alien corpse right in front of us and a spaceship leaving." Well, well, Mulder, we don't really know that it's aliens, uh, and that utterly ignores where this is at. And obviously, I understand why that's the joke. It's based on a very cursory watch of the show, but. That is very unfair that she is portrayed as the skeptical, almost nagging, doesn't believe what is right in front of her. Yeah, because Mulder also acts like that a lot of the time. And nobody criticizes. I mean, the, 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 you know, the cultural meme is not Mulder being the dismissive nag. It's Scully being the dismissive nag. Uh, that is obviously founded in sexism. That is not a shocking revelation. I don't think anybody listening to that is going to be shocked by that. But I do think it's important, once again, to call it out because you are right that this two-parter makes it very clear that Scully is quickly becoming, uh, the you know, she's she's on the alien abduction side, right? She She thinks yeah. something is going on. But this is coming from a place of evidentiary investigation yeah i mean she's she's not that coming was, up with these half-cocked theories that Mulder is famous for that was always a thing with scully is that she needed a certain amount of scientific evidence it was not that she 100 percent refused to believe in aliens for the most part the i i i think the most skeptical she ever got was about 99 percent sure that there are no aliens but she always admitted that one percent of doubt and by this point in the series that 1% of doubt, she's gotten the burden of proof of evidence in order to think that it's that. this She has gotten the evidence she needs, finally. And yeah, yeah. The- and, I, and I also think that there's something here, which is that, you know, Mulder does say in this episode or asks her, you know, where she, or actually, no, sorry, it's, it's uh, Scully says to, to Mulder when they're talking and that one of those brief, I mean, this is a very, like, this is a, this is a train episode. This is on rails. Like this this moves forward. You don't really have a lot of time to think, but there there are a couple of moments given for for quiet contemplation. And one of them is is Scully and Mulder having that conversation where they're talking about kind of Mulder's lack of faith and how he's lost his his belief in in, yeah. in alien abduction and alien phenomenon, at least as it is understood. And you know, Scully says, "I have I, I never believed that your sister was abducted by by extraterrestrials." Um, but I think what's interesting about that is she doesn't follow that up with, therefore, I never believed in extraterrestrials. Yeah, and she even goes further to say, your faith was enough to make me think that there was something here that warranted investigation, at least. Uh, the fact that he was so convinced, she seemed to think that you know, there's merit in disproving it, at least. He was not... he ne- for, for, for Scully... Mulder never came across as just a kook who's going off on wild theories. He's smart enough, he is dedicated enough that she began to feel that, again, it's worth investigating, it's worth looking into. Even if this turns out to be wrong, there is something here. People are getting affected by this, and so we must look into this. And if he's at a... But this isn't her crusade. If he is losing his faith if he's going to be cynical about this this is the point where she needs to get off because she does believe in something now and she does need to kind of figure out where this is 
Yeah, because I mean, what does she believe? And I, I mean that as a rhetorical question. I'm not asking you that because I don't know that we have enough information to, to know that. But she obviously believes enough to, to kind of like accompany Cassandra or follow Cassandra to that bridge. Um, you know, she, she does, she is asking a lot of questions about what exactly is going on, what these implants are doing in her body. And I think that what you really see here in this, in these two episodes is the, the final destination of the Mulder versus Scully worldviews, which is that Mm. Mulder has always been someone to, to look at, to make wild conclusions from very, you know, flimsy evidence or just one sort of, uh, uh, you know, one sort of event. And he says, Oh, it must be this. It must be that. Whereas Scully has always been the very data point scientist driven where she will, she will certainly come up with a theory, but she needs many data points to, to prove that theory. And what I think is so interesting about the, the way in which Mulder and Scully have really swapped positions at this point, and at least in regards to, to alien abductions is that, Mulder is the one who kind of had a bad experience. His his central sort of core operating belief in his sister's abduction was was shaken. He doesn't believe in alien abductions. Now everybody that believes in them is an idiot. He doesn't want anything to do with them, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas that is almost as that 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 is as dogmatic as looking at one thing and saying yes, all aliens alien abductions yeah. exist, and here's what's happening. Whereas Scully has always been the one to be the the very slow. Uh, collection of evidence and she's she's almost I think there's a there's an undercurrent of sort of a flabbergastedness of her at Mulder because she's saying look I don't believe this I've never believed any of this but there's something going on here I'm not really ready to say I'm being abducted by aliens or these people are being abducted by aliens but We've got three separate events now where many people are being burned to death. Like, there is something going on here. Um, yeah. There is evidence here. We need to figure it out. And Mulder's like, yeah, whatever. It's all just smoke and mirrors and the government is, you know. And it's like, is Mulder yeah. becoming like Glenn Beck or something? Like, I'm not. <laughs> no, I know. And the, the, there's the big point that, again, these people died. They They, they are... No smoke screen is going to be this. This is ridiculous. What is the point of the this smoke screen at this point? It makes more sense that these people are being killed for a reason. They must be being killed for for some reason. I mean, there's yeah. there's no. I mean, certainly, I guess you could make the argument that it's just like a collection of like spree killers or something that are going around and murdering people. But that. That's very flimsy and makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, and especially considering again, the fact that it's it's over international borders as well. Yeah, again, that's the point when even Skinner has to say, "Listen, it actually makes a lot more sense that this is alien stuff." That's the only thing that actually fits this. Yeah, yeah. Well, leaving aside Mulder and Scully, then we've got a, a couple of returning characters that we need to at least cursorily deal with. The cigarette smoky man is back after being shot. I don't think What? Oh my god. I know. Were you I like, wish... what the hell? I did kind of put it together because obviously the actor who played Agent Spender played young cigarette man. I didn't know if that was a I was wondering if you were gonna pick up on that because you are pretty yeah, bad I'm... with faces. No, but I, I looked him up so, and so I, I saw he also played uh, Mutato in uh postmodern prometheus so he did. it could i i looked it up yeah so i looked at the, 
so yeah, for me, it could have gone either way. Either they just really like this actor, and Spender is obviously going to be a recurrer, and they just wanted to give him a recurring role, or they are making a very specific point. Obviously, Mutado was in heavy makeup, and we didn't recognize him, but given how prominent he was in Musing of a Cigarette Smoking Man, it did. It, it, I, I liked that nice little bit of foreshadowing. Yeah, it's nicely done. I mean, I think if nothing else, once again, the X-Files looks really, really damn good and is able to have an opening scene at the beginning of a two-parter. The final scene is the reveal that it is Cancer Man and everything is, you know, and but the letter gets sent back. We don't know what Jeffrey Spender's real allegiances are. We don't know what he actually believes. We don't have any sense of who he is as a person. He does. I mean, I'm not going to be coy about it. He comes back, but at, at least in these two episodes, he's really just there to be an obstacle, and that's his purpose. Yeah, um, I, I assume he's going to be maybe Krychek level, if not in, in terms of role in the plot. But uh, I like his introduction. I think he's an interesting character, and. Again, here's more information to confuse us. We don't know what side he's on. He could legitimately be just a guy who wants to be out of all of this, who legitimately believes that his mother is unwell and that they're being manipulated and that his father is just an asshole dad who abandoned him, or he could be working for the syndicate. He could be the head of the syndicate, for all I know. He could be. He's a little young for that, but he certainly could be. Is he? That's what he wants us to believe. He's actually 114 years old. I I think that's right, and and I think you know, stay tuned on Jeffrey Spender. I I do want to say as well though that the the scene with uh, Skinner and Jeffrey Spender is very interesting because you know Skinner lays out that line, and we all know what it means. Where you know he's got some sort of protection in the FBI or something like that. Patron, a patron outside this office. Yeah, was the phrasing. And uh, that's something that's very, very explicit because, you know, of course, the cigarette smoking man was also shot alongside, uh, I forget the the character's name, but the assistant something of the FBI, the guy who gave Scully her assignment. Oh, yes. And so the indication is that, you know, the cigarette smoking man has always been somewhat interested in Mulder. What's up with Jeffrey Spender? Like, is he a new FBI agent? Is he not? What's going on here? Why didn't the cigarette smoky man just use Jeffrey Spender? Like, what? what's going on? Because Jeffrey Spender yeah. seems like the kind of person who would be very primed to almost be Mulder's partner. I'm not saying he becomes Mulder's partner. I'm just saying that it would make sense if they had established him as Mulder's partner instead of Scully. Yeah, but then that could be just an indicator of how hostile that... He is to the cigarette smoking man. Obviously, the CSM wants somebody who's going to play into his hands. If his son refuses to even read a letter of his, he's not. He's probably not. He's probably going to do everything he can to undermine his his plans. The cigarette man seems like somebody who wants to reach out to his son, wants to have that relationship with him, but also is smart enough to recognize. You know, it's not worth risking that much on a son's love for his father. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's true. 
and I, and I guess you know we should also deal with with Marita Marita Marita. I don't know how to pronounce her name. Neither does Mulder. And uh, and Krychek Krychek's back once again. I don't think there was much doubt of that. He's just becoming a you know bog standard bad guy who is obviously working against the syndicate for some reason. We don't really understand why Marita's working with him and then she's not, but she sur- she survives. Uh, it's just you know I think this is kind of like I don't. I'm not a huge fan of this plot line and it just kind of feels like the X-Files at its most soap opera-y. Yeah, I think that's a fair way to say it. It's just they're still here. We knew that Krychek would come back and that we have never learned what his allegiances are and they're changing episode by episode. We knew that Maritza, Maria, um, Linda Lovelace was unable... We didn't know what side she was really on. We know that she knows a lot more than she's letting on, but... And we still don't really know what side she's on. Yeah. I mean, she starts out in one place at the beginning of this two-parter. She ends up in a very different place. She and Krychek are apparently fucking. But what what's going on there? Who the hell knows? And is it interesting? I mean, I guess. But it also doesn't really add up to much. So you just kind of watch it and you go, oh, okay, this is what's happening now. Again, as a reintroduction leading up to the movie, remembering, oh, yes, these characters are in play. They're going to have a role later on. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Although I don't know if she appears in the movie. I don't remember. It's been a couple years since I've watched it, and I don't. Yeah. I don't tend to remember it very well. I think it just. I mean, like all mythology stuff, it kind of slides over my brain, so. (laughs) But I assume Krychek has a role in it. I think he does. I don't oh, really remember, wow. to be honest with you. I I don't know. It, it, we'll, we'll have an interesting time talking about the movie in a few weeks. And I'll just leave it at that. I guess the only thing I have left to say is that I've been waiting for Scully to go under deep regression hypnosis since it was mentioned in the very first episode. And we finally have that happening. Yeah, that was a very, very well done and striking scene. And yeah. Jillian Anderson plays the fuck out of it. I mean, certainly I think that in a, in a two parter that has a lot of very elaborate, dramatic theatrical set pieces that take place in snowy mountains with dead bodies everywhere, bridges. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in these two episodes. Uh, that's probably the most dramatic and the most theatrical. Yeah. Which I think a really speaks to Jillian Anderson's Mm. Jillian and, which I think a really speaks to to Gillian Anderson's abilities as an actor, and then also the strength of the X Files, which is in yeah. these characters. Yeah, no, that was probably the standout scene of this two parter for me. Like, I guess I got yeah. I mean, just to kind of wrap it back around and and, and cap off the entire conversation we just had, I I think that's really what what bothers me about the mythology episodes is that they're usually the action movie version of the X Files, and mm. while it's fun and I don't really have a problem with it, it's also not why I watch the show. Yeah, yeah, and here was the scene which was grounding it in a character that we love because she's Asian Scully and. That's when, it, again, we like the mythology when it has personal stakes, and obviously this has the personal stake of this was the situation she's in, but hearing her reaction to it and also knowing that this is a moment of her finally beginning to believe, that that's what gives those that sequence 
the power that the rest of the episode doesn't quite have. I mean, we, for example, we can feel really bad for this poor boy who gets who sees the wrong thing and ends up get, getting tortured, turned into a weapon, and killed. But we've never seen him before. We will never see him again. He is just a plot device. Scully is something else. Yeah, yeah, Scully is something else, absolutely. And I guess that also raises the the, the point that uh, the faceless aliens that are burning people to death with the fire sticks, that's a very striking yeah. image. Yeah. So good good job, X-Files, for giving mm. me nightmare fodder. I mean, the makeup on this episode, the, the, again, the boy with the black oil, that was horrifying. That is some incredible work there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, well, I think we'll leave it there. If you have any thoughts on Patient X or the Red and the Black, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at tuninginshow.com. You can check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash truckaboutshow. This podcast is supported by you, the listener. If you like what we do, please do go over to patreon.com and throw us a few bucks. It was very much appreciated. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tuning In Show is our username on all those platforms. And as always, please leave us an iTunes slash Apple podcast review. I think there's been some confusion about this. It is, in fact, the best way for new people to find the show. It has something to do with algorithms and rankings, and I don't really understand it and why were computers ever invented. But here we are. So give us a review already, would you? All right. We are only six episodes away, three podcasts away from the end of the fifth season. And the movie, which I know Richard is very excited to talk about. Yay! Next week. We've got a pretty good pair of episodes. Travelers and Mind's Eye. Mac, why do you...